When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Oh, befogged street of a cold November eve. Oh, tallow candle and bulb, hang your orbs in mist and mark our way down Grafton Street, Clarendon, St. Andrews. And now, on lifted paths of air, through the realms and into the moon underwater. Welcome all to the moon underwater and its timbers are something to behold this evening, aren't they, Robin? Shiver me of them. Well, the timbers are actually shivering. Yes. And it's sort of, it's a weird thing, man. It's like they become prisms, Mm. but time is the light or something. I don't don't really (laughs) understand it. I'm not really au fait with wood. No. But they are quite splendid. And they've carved themselves, because sometimes they'll be sort of old, moth-eaten, sort of woodworm-bitten beams from past, but they look incredibly ornate. They do. I mean, they've kind of made a wooden version of the the Dark Side of the Moon album cover, uh, with the prisms kind of of wood poking out. It's beautiful. Everywhere you look, it seems like they're the sort of the prow of a boat, I want to say. Yeah, prows everywhere you look. But with an Art Deco feel, I mean, it's sort of, there's a confusion, I think, in the moon underwater this evening, but it's a very, it's a very ornate confusion. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, well, just to explain, if you are new to the moon underwater, if you've never been here before, I am John Robbins, your landlord, and the lovely, the Robin Allender is our regular here. And we guide guests through their fantasy pubs. We create desire basically, is what we create. We make dreams come true. We make dreams come true. And there is quite a lot of truth to dreams when it comes to pubs. Pubs and the drinks they serve, what do they satisfy? And and what is the other realm, uh, the world, what is that failing to satisfy in a publy sense? And this week, to uh, to create her own dream pub, we have a very special guest who is actually... 
they've got they've only got and installed a log flume. Oh, so f- f- fluming is that a is that a verb? Flumier. Flumier, yes, Flumier down the flume um, <laughs> comes one of the most recognisable voices in radio and fluming directly through the front door of the moon underwater. It's Rachel Burden. Hello, Rachel. Hello. I don't I don't know if I've ever flumed before, but I like it. <laughs> well, I could sense it might have been your first Flumier or your, your premier Flumier, mm-hmm. uh, as they would say um, in France. But you took to it like a duck to Flumier. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Flumier in style. Rachel, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here in the moon underwater. Do make yourself comfortable. Um, we can pour you a drink of absolutely anything. And I want to apologise to someone through you because um, the first time I had a live two-way with um, Tony Livesey and Claire McDonnell, I called Claire Rachel because I was thinking about you. Right. I I don't know if that's a good thing. (laughs) No, 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 it's a good thing. But I was too embarrassed to say, oh, sorry, I do know your name, Claire. I just happened to be thinking about Rachel Burden. Well, it's all right. But she's, I have to say, much cleverer and much funnier than me. So, um, What a modest bunch we are at Radio 5. I'm sure she'll be mildly offended, but um, I'm not. (laughs) Is that the radio equivalent of calling your teacher mum there? <laughs> you know, yes, it is a bit like that. Mm. But also it was Claire's first day and I felt like I'd just made a fool of myself. But I wanted to say, look, I'm just so committed to the five live schedule that their presenters are just on a constantly sort of whizzing through my brain. On a loop in your head. Yes. All the time. Rachel, you have been uh, on Five Live weekday breakfasts for over 10 years now. Yeah, too long. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it feels like forever. So my first question is, your schedule, your day, talk talk us through it. And is there is there any room for a pub in your weeks? Ooh, I mean, it's, it's a squeeze. It really is. Um, I mean, my schedule is so boring, um, but it effectively involves getting up or waking up at about half three. Jesus Fuck Christ. That. <laughs> wow. Half three. But that's... The thing with half three is that's neither one thing nor... It's neither nights nor days. Well, no, it's the middle of the night. It's the absolute middle of the night. When does the morning start, do you think? Five? Well, do you know, there is a glorious period of about three weeks in June where at 4am it's daylight and you're fooled into thinking, oh, I live a normal life. <laughs> but it lasts all of three weeks, and, and that's about it. The rest of the time, I, you know, I, I get up in, in darkness. I inhabit the dark hours. Wow. Mm. So what time, what, when's bedtime? What are we talking? So bedtime, like ideally, ideally bedtime's half past eight. It never is. Well, so it was later than John, to be fair. Is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, ideally half past eight. It's more likely to be nine lights off half nine. So, yeah, it's it's a very boring life. And then I, I go to work. I'm in work at half four. We're on air at six. Um, we do the show. And pretty much, you know, I finish at nine. And that is that is sort of my, well, it's not quite my day done. There's usually a bit of faffing around. Um, but when I get back home, it's just into really tragically boring domestic duties. And um and by the time I get on that kind of treadmill of kids from school and then sorting them out and then ferrying them every fucking where, 
and throwing some dinner at them and feeding the dog and talking to work in the evening about the next day's show, then it's bedtime again. Wow. So no naps? Oh, no, I do. I squeeze in a nap. Oh, I, yeah. talk me through your nap. I'm a huge nap guy. I had a half hour nap today and I haven't even done anything. <laughs> no, I know. But I, you, you're you like me, you're an artful napper because it, it, it is the 20 minute, half an hour that you need to aim for. Any more than that is madness. Um, mm. That way madness lies. So, so yeah, it's about, it's, it's that kind of SAS style military nap. Um, that just is enough to kind of pep you up and see you through the day. I think the dream nap length for me is 14 minutes. Is that right? But in, but in a non-stressful situation. So you set aside, so I'll set my alarm for maybe an hour hence, but I'm, I would never nap for an hour. But I want to know that I've got that safety net so I can just sort of chill out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So within that, there's 14 minutes of kind of... So what, slightly surreal dreaming? Well, that sort of thing where you don't know whether you dreamed or not or whether you just thought about something really hard for ages. <laughs> and you sort of have to check. What I often do is I'll I'll have got a text just before I go to sleep or whatever and it'll have the time code. And then I'll sort of work back at what point I must have fallen asleep based on whether I'd seen that text come in or not. Yeah, I have I have mad, mad brain skipping thoughts where I don't, I, I, I was thinking about this recently because I think my, my brain is kind of slowly deteriorating through chronic exhaustion. And, um, and I kind of start to think of something. And then about 20 seconds later, I cannot think of the thought, but I vaguely know what the thought was, but I can't get back to it. The shape of the thought. Yeah. Exactly that. Yeah. It's really worrying. Our producer, Dave, did Capital Breakfast and Breakfast on Radio X for years. And he's, he, says it has affected his memory. Yeah. Sort of 15 years of getting up at four and short amount of sleep in his 20s and early 30s. He's like, there's just a part of his brain that will never grow back. Yeah, I think that's definitely And, that, and that's the part that was talking to Chris Moyles. <laughs> <laughs> so, <that's, laughs> so is that, that whole part of his life has gone from his memory? Because if so, that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? No, maybe maybe he's just sort of scrubbed it himself. Eternal sunshine style. In all seriousness, does that sort of, you know, we're so ingrained that we think about our lives as wake up nine to five, maybe pub with friends, maybe meal, maybe cooking, you know, kids home from school, dinner, bed. What, what after the pub and everything? <laughs> <laughs> Where were you? This is a great timetable. <laughs> it's sausages again. Surely you should know by now. Um, but has that sort of affect, has that, does that affect your sort of social life or your mental health or whatever, having that sort of shunted day? Oh my oh God, of course it does. Yeah, I have, I have absolutely zero social life. And the thing is, what, so, so we have, particularly in the summer months, we have like a detention club, which is where we go to the pub straight after school. So at four o'clock in the afternoon with the kids in the pub garden. Um, And that's like, thank God we've got here. Mm. Um, And, um, and then, and then I am incapable of doing anything post 6pm in the evening. But that is the problem. You get to Friday and I generally try and not drink in the week. At least I say that doesn't always happen but um but you get to friday a couple of glasses of wine and i'm dead Mm. like i I cannot function anymore so that's your friday gone as well you have one normal day on a saturday and saturday for me is my pub day so that's my kind of precious pub day when i at some stage we will walk to our local pub and um 
and go for a couple of hours in the afternoon. Tell me about your local pub. So when we moved up north, I said to my husband, I said, he said, he really wanted to live kind of somewhere quite rural, surrounded by fields. And I said, that's fine, as long as we can walk to the school, walk to a shop and walk to the pub. The only place we can walk to is the pub. But I suppose that's fair in terms of priorities. A pub is a kind of shop and a kind of school. (laughs) It's where we learn and get everything we need, as long as those things are beer or frazzles. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you cut your teeth in our neck of the woods, me and Robin, in Bristol. I did. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, I was so I I my first job was at Radio Suffolk and um and I love that tiny tiny little um radio station in Ipswich and then I moved to Bristol and um and it all kicked off there. At the BBC in, in At the BBC Bristol. in Bristol, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They've got a great bar in there. Well, you see, so I've heard you talking about the legendary <laughs> BBC bar in Bristol and we used to finish so I used to produce the breakfast show and we used to finish that and we'd have a pint by 10am. And sit there for a couple of hours on a Friday. Mm. Obvs. Yeah. And um, Billy, the Irish barman. Did you ever come across Billy, the barman in the BBC bar? I've done gigs in that bar. I've only ever drunk in it once. I just remember that wonderful feeling of sort of being in Being a... on a ferry? Yes, but it's like, <laughs> that's exactly it, actually. Because it's being in a pub that isn't actually a pub. Mm. And... It's sort of someone's gone to such effort to create a pub somewhere where they don't actually need one. Yeah. I really like that. Well, there's the one in Westminster, isn't there? I've been to that with a friend who's on work experience. <laughs> That's in the House of Parliament. <laughs> yeah. There, there's oh. no way you were legitimately supposed to be there no if you were there with all. a friend on work no. experience. Yeah. No, the BBC bar in Bristol um, was awesome. So that was Fridays. And then you used to go home like at about midday, and have the glorious long snooze, the long nap of the end of the week, couple of pints, Friday afternoon, get ready for the weekend. This is pre-children, so very, very happy memories from that time. But that bar is gone. What? Really? Yeah. It's never gone. It's gone. The Bristol one? The Bristol BBC bar has gone, and I only found that out recently. Is that because of a load of angry texters complained about BBC bloated budgets? Woke snowflakes drinking beer on our, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's just sitting on such prime real estate on White Ladies Road in Bristol that every spare scrap of land is probably being developed into something else. I don't know. But sad times. Did you have, so the BBC in Bristol is in pinting distance of... um, well, to the north, uh, the Highbury Vaults. Did you ever go there? Or the White Bear? Yeah, up at the top of White Ladies. Mm. Or the, well, the top of St Michael's Hill. Oh, uh, no. In Cotton. Yeah, maybe. Not really. The, there's the Rose from White Ladies. And, and the uh, Port of Call. Top of White yes, Ladies. the Port, Port of, of Call. Call. That's a great pub. That's a yeah. great pub. Mm. That's a great pub. So where were you living when you when you were working in Bristol? I love this conversation, but it's of no interest to anyone else, is it? Outside of <laughs> oh, Bristol. but it's of interest to me. <laughs> if, I, if I made podcasts that were interest of other people, I'd, I'd never record a thing. Pub, <laughs> pubs you can vaguely remember from uh, a few years ago. I think it's a, I think it's a lot of mileage in it. Mm. So we used to live in Redland and... Our local pub was the Shakespeare. Oh, wow. I don't know if you ever went to the Shakespeare. So the Shakespeare was a proper, 
not like port of call old school, but proper kind of pattern carpet. Yeah. Gammon egg and pineapple for tea pub. It's changed a bit now because it used to be divided into two rooms, yeah. a very old school way, and it's all kind of open now. It's really nice, but it has lost something of that, no, that charm. I'm not yeah, on, I'm yeah. not on here for that. No, not at all. <laughs> but I yeah, we had we had many an evening in there and oh god, loads of other places, but because as we already know, my brain is slowly petrified because of my early hours. I can't remember any of them. Well, maybe some pubs are best forgotten into the mists of time. But one pub we're definitely not going to forget is your dream pub. And Rachel, I thank you for for nudging us towards this with ever the producer's mind. (laughs) As our producer always used to say to us, what's in it for the listeners? (laughs) Um, So we'll start creating uh, your dream pub. And the first thing we need from you is two draft options. Okay. Um, So am I going to describe my dream pub or does that come later? Oh, we will. We will describe okay. your dream pub. Absolutely, we okay. Because I was, I was trying to think my, I was trying to think my way into my pub. That was all. Um, you can think your way into your pub if you like. If you want to start like that, that makes perfect oh, sense. I can't believe I'm bossing the presenter around. Rick Edwards would know all about that. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. So my draft options are, are, are really simple, actually. Um, so, so the first one is Guinness. Yes. I apologise for being really boring but that that 100% absolutely has to be there because don't apologize for liking the best drink in the world please ever yeah um so i went to university in dublin oh i bet that was amazing was... what well, we chatting UC, ucd or trinity <sighs> ucd that's <laughs> <laughs> where joyce went yeah? <laughs> um no no it's trinity and um yeah. i so i, I i'm my mum's side of the family from ireland so i'd kind of grown up you know guinness was in the background and um when I turned up at university, I kind of hit the ground running and embraced it after a brief flirtation with Smithix. What's Smithix? So Smithix was like, and it is still, I presume they still sell it over there. It's like um, Irish ale. Mm. It's kind of fizzy, very fizzy Irish ale, very drinkable. So I, I kind of started on that and then sort of sort of fairly quickly moved over to, to Guinness. And I think by the end of... Um, End of my four years there, I was probably about ninety percent Guinness inside of me. <laughs> wow! Yeah. So, what was what were some of the the, the great haunts in in Dublin you went to? Well, I mean, there <laughs> there are so many. I mean, there there are the beautiful pubs like the Stag's Head in Dublin. Do you know your Dublin pubs, Robin? You must do a little bit. I know a few. I know a few knocking around in the old mind. There's there's one I really like, which I try and go to whenever I'm there, which is Cassidy's, which is opposite Whelan's, the music venue. Which I think is a really, really nice pub. Yeah, I mean, there are so many to choose from. The Stag's Head is the most beautiful pub in Dublin, I think. So it's one of those very dark stained glass windows, little snug to the side. Uh, not much room inside it. It's beautiful. And that's not that far from Trinity. The pub we used to go to a lot was called Doyle's, um, just across the way from the college. And um, I mean, that was kind of pretty, you know not very high end and not one of the most beautiful pubs, but it was just handily convenient. And I was there at a time when they changed the licensing laws so that if, because the rules were quite strict in Ireland a few years ago um, and it was a kind of, you know, a sharp 11 o'clock close. That was it. They called time and you were out. But they, at some point when I was there, they changed it so that if you served food, you could stay open to like midnight or one in the morning. So at about half past 10, someone would pass around a tray of sausages. Love it. I love it. And you'd just be there until 
Yeah, half one too. They used to, there was a similar bar in Bristol called Roxy's, which is at the bottom of uh, St Michael's Hill, and it was run by the inimitable Eddie. Yeah. And about midnight, just plates of chips would appear, <laughs> and there was no other food served. There was no menu. No, no. He just had obviously bought a sort of an individual sort of portable deep fat fryer. Yeah. Served with mayonnaise because he was Dutch. Served with mayonnaise because he was Dutch. Yeah. He drove a bright yellow. Oh, what car? I want to say Lamb. It wasn't a Lamborghini, was it? No, No, it was one of those. We've talked about Eddie before. I think we've had this exact same conversation. But he he drove a bright yellow sports car, but it wasn't like a sports car brand. It might have been a Vauxhall (laughs) or a or a Nissan. But it was a it was a very sporty number. Mm. Oh, Eddie! I want I would love to know what he's doing now. Uh, anyway, I've looked up Doyle's in my mind, and it looks absolutely fantastic. <laughs> well, it was. I mean, you know, many a good night was had there. Um, but you were kind of spoiled for choice in Dublin, and actually, all those amazing, beautiful old pubs. You kind of just went into it, it's like, yeah, um, you know, whatever. But it did. Um, it did. Uh, encourage a sort of lifelong love of Guinness, which I'm not sure was terrifically good for me uh, long term. But that's why my my virtual that's the exact pub... opposite of their famous yeah. advertising. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine Guinness? It's, it's not pelican. terrifically it's good not... for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Guinness gets you drunk. Wasn't that the? Um, wasn't it Brendan Behan was asked to come up with a tagline for Guinness. Well, in his case, it definitely did. Yeah, this is after you've been given like 20 crates of Guinness to sample. Or something. I, I once um, <laughs> I once um, helped organise the Irish Student Drama Festival and Guinness sponsored it. Oh, nice. And, um, and I had my interview for Journalism College the Monday after it finished. And I turned up for the interview um, Pretty much with Guinness sweats. <laughs> I, I I knew nothing. I'd revised nothing. Uh, they they did a kind of current affairs quiz. I got two out of 25. I, I almost left halfway through the day, but the, the light was too bright outside for me to cope with actually leaving the building. <laughs> So I so that's why you're a why you're a broadcaster now. Yeah, yeah. So I stayed for the hangover. for the group interview and talked shite in the group interview, and that was enough to convince them. Wow. And was was there still in Dublin at that time the sort of the culture of those Dublin writers and and Irish poets in the drinking, or is that sort of gone by then? Oh, only a few pretentious old farts. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I did hang around with kind of art students, so. There was probably a bit of that, but um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I was really noticing much beyond my sort of immediate concerns. But were there sort of students who you'd look at and think they're sort of trying to do an impression of Patrick Kavanagh? And... Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, and quite often they were the sort of second or third generation English people who came over and thought, you know, oh, God. You know would kind of punch through um, the arch, the main arch there and sort of swish their scarf to one side. Yeah, there were a few of those all right. I think I, I have a horrible feeling I'd have been one of those. <laughs> uh, so your first choice is Guinness. Uh, what's your second choice? My second choice. So so in, in my virtual pub, I, I will spend a lot of time with my family because I love spending time with my family. I have, I, I've got three brothers and um, all their partners are really close to and um, and now kind of older nieces and nephews. And we, we kind of really enjoy each other's company. We hang out. You know, not we don't live close to each other, but when we can, we do and enjoy it very much. 
So really for them, I don't like ale, but really for them, I've, I've got an ale. Um, and um, this is a nod to where I grew up, which is Marlow in the home counties. So I've got Rebellion on Jarth there. Mm. We were talking about just the other day because I live in Amersham. Oh. There you go. Have you been to the brewery? Uh, no, I haven't. But I have drunk Rebellion quite. A, they, they actually have it on tap in my golf club, bizarrely. It's so nice. But Mar- Marlow comes up a lot, doesn't it? Because um, Hand and Flowers obviously is there, the Tom Carriage pub. Well, you and see, restaurant. Th- I think there are or were. There was a very high proportion of pubs per capita mm. at one stage. So it used to be years. And I, now it's a kind of poncy, you know, London commuter town. But way back then, it was. It was just a sort of big drinking town I think people would go to. There were loads and loads and loads of pubs. And when I was growing up, um, like the Coach and Horses at the top of the high street in Marlow was a kind of pub for goths and pseudo-goths. And I used to sneak in aged kind of whatever, 15, 16, and pretend to be cool and have my pints of snake bite and black. Um, And now Tom Kerridge owns it. (laughs) (laughs) What What is all that about? He should be be serving snake bite and black. Just to, I think it might be illegal now, but just as a nod, or come up with some, I don't know, or a like souffle a little that's soup, snake bite like and black. a gazpacho, snake bite and black, a, a lager inside a soup <laughs> with black currant cordial in it. Yeah, <laughs> I think Tom Kerridge might actually quite enjoy. I that. think he would. Isn't that a myth uh, that it's banned? It's just so people don't have to serve it to people, isn't it? <laughs> um, I'll look it up in my mind. Is snake bite? Legal in the UK, just entering that into my mind. What does your mind say? Um, serving a snake bite from separate cider and lager taps or bottles is legal in the there UK. Wow. Despite sources that suggest otherwise. Get stuck in, Robin. Yeah, sure. Well, I need to have a word with Mike the barman in uh, 2002. <laughs> I think, yeah, it may have come from bar staff just not wanting the hassle. Yes, I think that's definitely what happened. Your memory isn't depleted, clearly. <laughs> or is that for just when you get refused a drink and it stays there? I think sometimes Robin wishes his memory was depleted. If anything, it's, it's, too, it's too loud in the mix. Memory too full. I'm like, a, I'm like a, an old phone. <laughs> If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Now the shipping forecast issued by the Met Office. Viking, west, variable, 2 to 4, occasionally westerly, 5 at first, east, northerly or northwesterly, 4 or 5, becoming variable, 2 to 4, west, slight, occasionally moderate at first, east, slight or moderate, in west, occasional rain, good, occasionally moderate, north at Sierra, northerly or northwesterly, 4 or 5 pints, occasionally lager at first, becoming variable, 2 to 4, slight or whiskey, occasional rum, desire becoming fervent, pubs, occasionally distant. South at Sierra, pintily or north pintily, four or five, occasionally cider, becoming pubs, two to four. Slight or moderately drunk, occasional rain. Pub, appearing in mist, variable. German bite, variable two to four pints, becoming cyclonic, three to five pubs. Pubs or pubs. Rain later in pubs. Consuming mist, pubs, pubs, pubs. Well, I think those are two fantastic choices, Guinness and Rebellion IPA from the Marlowe Brewery. But let's talk a little bit about your pub now. What sort of vibe are we going for? So I've been thinking about this. And and whilst, as I mentioned, the kind of old style Dublin pub is a thing of beauty, there's also another pub experience I really, really enjoy, which is, you know, uh, if you go to France in the summer, and you end up in a little quiet village and there's a bar du sport and it's like kind of plastic chairs and formica tables and a pingball machine and a few old men smoking gitan and it's really sunny outside and you just kind of pile in like a, a whole tribe of pasty burdens and um, this little <laughs> Frenchman behind the bar doesn't know what's hit her and you just have a kind of few glorious unexpected hours of sitting in one of these places. And I really like that. And actually, then I decided there was a kind of... So there's like somewhere in between the Dublin pub and the French pub, which is if you ever go like somewhere like Donegal, right? And you go to one of those sort of slightly out of town pubs that are a bit... They're not beautiful old Irish pubs. And they've got like a kind of back games room with, again, with those kind of formica top tables. But there might be a sort of soft lounge area there. Um so slightly grubby, but not not too dark, you know, kind of quite light and airy, but they haven't been touched in about 40 years. They haven't been updated. That's the key thing. I, you know, I don't I don't want to. I mean, I do walk into a pub because our local pub is like this where it's, you know, an interior designer has vomited all over it. And there are, you know, things inscribed on the walls. You want something sort of functional. Yes. That's the word. 
but also like I remember when the only time I've ever been to um like sort of I went to Barbados and when you're walking through the old towns there they have these sort of shops that are you're thinking is that a bar mm. or are people just drinking outside of a shop <laughs> and you realize oh actually that's a bar and it sort of serves a few different things but you can definitely get a couple of rums and a sort of an ice cold bottle of beer mm. and it's there's maybe two tables outside with a, a couple of umbrellas and people just sit there in the evening yeah and it's sort of almost it's almost like it it could be someone's front room, but it's better than that. Exactly that. And actually in Irish pubs, as you probably know, they you know, they always they always sell kind of not quite groceries, but chocolate bars behind the counter, behind the bar area. So so you can kind of kid yourself that yeah, you are going there for your, for your <laughs> essential shop. <laughs> as I mean, I'm someone who's obsessed with like choice and making sure that I'm going to places that got the drinks I like, blah, blah, blah. I'm quite difficult to be around. However, when you go to one of those sort of Spanish or French mm. bars that's not quite a bar, and they've literally just got one tap. Yes, that's it, exactly. Suddenly you think, oh, I'll just have that. And all of that stress of, oh, will they have Guinness or will they have an ale just goes up your head. You just have all of that. I remember when I went to Rome a few years ago and our, our friend who... who is half Italian, recommended this bar. And when someone recommends a bar, you think, oh, it's going to be quite special. And it was literally, yeah, as you say, the white plastic chairs outside, old men playing the lottery, and they just served bottles of Moretti. <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's the vibe you were recommending. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's just you're sitting out in the square, and it was just absolutely delightful. But you see, in, in, in the pub of my mind, I can have the vibe, and then I can shove in the stuff that I want as well. So it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. The mind is the perfect meeting of vibe and choice. <laughs> that's that's the live, love, laugh of the moon underwater, isn't it? <laughs> In fact, if I was going to inscribe anything on my pub wall, that, that would be it. What was it? I've forgotten it already. The mind is the perfect meeting of vibe and choice. <laughs> <laughs> really rolls off the old tongue, doesn't it? It rolls off the tongue. Whack it on a tea towel, whack it on a bit of driftwood, hang it in your Airbnb. Mm-hmm. You're a millionaire. Um... <laughs> Oh man, I'm so on board with this. So are you, you you described a group of pasty burdens. Ooh. Do you you all struggle with the heat, or do you just absolutely dive straight in when you're abroad in these beautiful French functional bars? We're a bit half and half. Yeah, I mean, some of us have picked up more of my dad's genes, and and you know, are, are, are more sort of sun worshipy. But um, I clearly am not. Um, so, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't struggle. I quite like the heat. I, quite, I mean, the last the, the insane heat wave that we've had. Um, this is twenty twenty two for anyone listening in twenty years time. Um, uh, I I I was a bit like, well, that's fine for a couple of days if it wasn't indicative of the planet burning. Um, but I could deal with it. Certainly for a couple of days. I'm not sure I could deal with it for a couple of weeks, but... I think what I like now, I mean, this is more heatwave-based than pub-based, is that you get you get warning, whereas I'm guessing, you know, people banging on about the heatwave in 76, it pretty would have pretty much been like the day before. They were like, it's going to be really hot! <laughs> whereas now, at least for a week or two, so you can sort of look at your diary and maybe get rid of a few things or shift stuff around and... 
you know, by fans or aircon or whatever. And so, yeah, sorry, that's a side issue about how weather forecasts have improved. Anyway, cans and bottles. And bottles are the sort of thing that would be, I think, very popular in this sort of bar. But what what cans and and or bottles are you choosing? So not cans, actually. Um, But so definitely wine. So we like wine um, quite a lot. So I'm I'm putting a rosé in there um, because actually... It's been a while since we've had a rosé in the moon underwater. Bring it in. I don't... I'm tr- I try not to drink too much white wine. It doesn't really do me much good these days. But an occasional glass of rosé, I will relish. Um, so, yeah, like, I mean, you know, a Cote de Provence rosé, I think the kind of thing that you could get for three euros in a French supermarket and you get charged 42 quid for over here. That's the kind of level I'm going at. So what are you charging in uh, your dream pub? You're charging three euros, which would which would stump a lot of customers. Or are you charging 42 no, quid? I think I'm going for a tenner or 12 quid. Tenner. I'm not going to fleece them, John, you know. So Cote de Provence rosé. So I like rosé, but I have to hold my hands up. I just like sweet rosé that tastes of sweets. <laughs> Cote de Provence, that's quite a dry re- uh, rosé, isn't it? He almost said yeah. Riesling, though. I did almost say Riesling. <laughs> so obsessed with Riesling. <laughs> just bought a bottle of Riesling. You, do you have a thing for sweet wine? I like Rieslings across the board. Um, I like Sauvignon Blanc and a Sancerre, which is also which is a Sauvignon Blanc. But you don't have a sweet tooth, though. You don't eat much sweets. I mean, you, the, you kind of eat pilchards with chilli sauce for breakfast and things like that, don't you? You've got yeah, I'm, kind of like spicy, savoury, yeah. So my dream breakfast would be um, nice toasted bread with... Uh, Vegemite and hummus. However, when it comes to drinks, after your mains, so your your stouts and your ales, I do have to switch to something sweet. Mm, mm. But I I don't mind. A, I I do like a very crisp rosé, but I wouldn't do a bottle of dry rosé. I would do a glass, mm. and then and then I'd be like, okay, mate, where are your rieslings? I'm not making you buy the bottle. <laughs> You're going to sell it by glass. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have to. I mean, this is again feels so boring, but we have to just put a red in there. And my my husband, I mean, just basically never veers from a Cote de Rome. So it's <laughs> I feel like it's all I've ever known for twenty years, <laughs> and I kind of need someone to take me out into exciting new territory. Um, but I quite like familiarity as well. Yeah. And he's always like a cheap Rome is always better than a cheap something else. When you head to Majestic, does one of you say? I'll just get my coat. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's quite, it is quite good actually, because <laughs> it's Cote de Provence, mm. it's Cote de Rome, it's the fast show, which is very modern, it's very zeitgeisty. <laughs> so Cote de Rome, talk, I don't really know much about French wine. Nor do I. <laughs> talk to me about your coats. <laughs> that is it. Honestly, I'm letting someone else make the decisions for me. I'm just looking for something that's not too dry. Uh, not too heavy, um, you know, sort of fairly quaffable and um, won't give me a stinking hangover. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know a great deal about French wines. Um, they're, they're, they're kind of less showy than like uh, New World wines, aren't they? But is that is that a thing? Is that a, is that a correct fact or opinion? I don't know. <laughs> but when we went to the Wine Society, the Bordeaux we had was the best wine 
we had for the whole night. But then I don't know if that was just because it was the last wine. Because we were absolutely <laughs> smashed by the time we got to the... Was that the white Bordeaux? No. Oh, I like the white Bordeaux. You like the red Bordeaux. Yes, yeah, <laughs> desperately clinging on to sobriety and trying not to sound too pissed. Uh, but that, I did love that Bordeaux. Is there a, a specific, like, make of Cote de Provence or Cote de Rhone, or are you just going, are you going price-wise? I mean, I'm a price-wise kind of a girl. I'm an offers kind of... I'm looking for those red numbers when I'm scanning across <laughs> the shelves. Yeah, mix. Do you know, they actually do studies with people where they attach some kind of device to follow the eyes of where people look when they walk through supermarkets? Wow. Uh, well, I would be... I mean, I'm so easily manipulated. So, I, you know, the marketeers must just love me. Because um, I'm making a beeline for those wines, which are probably not remotely any kind of good deal. But I'm just like, ooh, two pounds off. Two pounds off. It's got to be good. It's got to be good. <laughs> but I, actually, sometimes, Rachel, those discounts aren't real world discounts. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Well, so far in Rachel Burden's Dream Pub, we have, well, first off, we've got a group of pasty Burdens walking in. <laughs> And we're somewhere in between Dublin and France with Formica top tables. We've got grubby but light. It's not dirty. It's not dingy. There's plastic chairs. There's a bit of Formica going around. There is a bit of Formica. There is also Guinness, Rebellion IPA, Cote de Provence Rosé and a Cote de Rhone Red. And while everybody gets their coats, Robin, we have the Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down, it's time for the quiz. He played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger, that wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey had been deducted five points. Thanks, John, and welcome to the Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. No phones, no Googling, because you're only Googling yourself. And this week, it's that classic pub quiz staple of American states, again. Um, (laughs) Did you know... (laughs) Did you know that each US state has a unique tourism slogan? So a slogan that's like a tagline for each state to market itself. So, for example, you may know I Heart New York, Virginia is for lovers, and Sweet Home Alabama. But did you know honest-to-goodness Indiana... Visit Nebraska, visit nice. (laughs) Or, that's Wyoming. Oh, that's good. That's Wyoming. (laughs) That's that's Wyoming. So the quiz is I'm going to give you three tourism slogans from US states, and you have to tell me which states they relate to. That I'm going to get zero. Oh, everyone's going to get zero, Rachel. I'm going to get minus 10 out of zero on this No, 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 no. I think think you'll... Two of... Relatively easy, and one of them's fairly hard. Now I'm going to feel like a right idiot. <laughs> okay, question one is blank on my mind. Oh, yeah. Blank on my mind. I'm guessing these are quite modern. These weren't sort of 1783 or whatever. Some of them are quite old, actually. Okay, fair yeah, place. Some fair of them play. are quite old. Um, question two is famous potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Famous potatoes. 
And question three is dream big, which is which is kind of the most partridge of uh, slogans in a funny way. <laughs> Quite partridge-esque. Dream big. There we go. So you got blank on my mind, famous potatoes, and dream big. Uh, great pub quiz there from the lovely Robin Allender. And we now take a break from Rachel Burden's Fantasy Tavern uh, to head off. And who knows what we'll all do? Fill your glasses, pop to the loo, grab some salt and vinegar discos, if that's that's what floats you be. I love salt. <laughs> They're my favourite crisps. Oh, man. I cannot have them in the house. This is what I'm saying about John's taste buds. I like astringent flavours. Sue me. Oh, my God. They are the best. I've seen you put Tabasco into a bag of crisps and sort of jumble it around. But you're not tainting the salt and vinegar disco, surely? No, well, because I've tried adding Tabasco to salt and vinegar discos, but it just soaks in and makes them go soggy. The dream combo is Tabasco in salt and vinegar McCoys, and you shake it up. Oh, it's just, uh, my mouth's watering now just even talking about it. I guess it. the ridges help, do Yeah, they? the ridges yeah. help. That should be their tagline, the ridges help. The, the ridges help, yeah. That's nice. I knew someone whose snack was, um, you know, remember those primula cheese spread tubes? Yeah. They looked like a tube of toothpaste, but it was cheese spread. It was, it was that... A tube of that in a bowl and then mashed up Pringles all mashed together. Well, a lot of people pop a pickled egg into scampi fries and then like smash up the bag so it all sort of falls apart. It was very messy. When you say a lot of people. Well, I think (laughs) one guy I met in a pub once did that. (laughs) Lots of (laughs) Pickled onion in a bag of crisps is fairly common, but the mashing up is a step too far, I think. Uh, So join us back for part two, folks. Also... If you want to support this pub, head to patreon.com forward slash moonunderpod, where you can get advance warning of live ticketed events. You get a bonus podcast behind the cellar door, and you also get Rachel Burden's bonus choice of her dream pub companion. But that must wait until part two. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 